0: Children and grandchildren are truly blessings from God, and if you doubt that, just ask anyone who never experienced that first moment following birth when tiny fingers and toes are carefully counted. I guess you could ask me because I'm in that category. My wife and I have been married more than 46 years. We chose to have children, but sometimes life doesn't work out the way you plan it, but that's okay. When we look at the direction the world is going, we don't envy the task parents have of raising children in this society. Still, we enjoy seeing children running, dancing, playing, and wrestling. We enjoy my wife's grandniece and three grandnephews. We enjoy their giggles, but have to sometimes put our hands over our ears when they scream. My wife enjoys going on cicada hunts with one of the boys, or looking for transparent crabs on the beach at night. I even enjoy it when her grandniece plays with my hair, even if there's not much to play with. The holiday known as Thanksgiving is always more enjoyable because of the little ones being there, even though they truthfully wear us out and we're exhausted when they go home. But for some, children are a burden that they choose not to deal with and they will take whatever steps are necessary to avoid having them, even if it means a conscious decision to abort them. If there's one subject most politicians want to avoid, it's abortion, because it's a contentious issue with deep emotions on both sides. For politicians, it's a no-win situation, since no matter which side one comes down on, it will alienate a large segment of the voters. But the subject of abortion is really not about votes. It's about life and death. It's a painful topic for many women who have come to regret a decision they made early in life, a decision often made under stress, stress due to outside pressures or from family, stress due to fear of the future, and stress dealing with a problem where there seemed to be no good solutions. Now before I go any further, let me assure you that here at Tomorrow's World our purpose is not condemnation. What appeared to be a good solution to a sticky problem at age 17 may not seem so simple at age 37, and somehow, as hard as it is to believe at age 17, 37 does happen, and there will likely be many times over the years when feelings of regret may bubble to the surface. Whether one enjoys being around children or not, these fundamental questions remain. When does life begin? Does a woman have a right to choose? And who gives her that right? This is a program you don't want to miss, so stay tuned because I'll give you some surprising facts, interesting stories, and hope for the future. Welcome to Tomorrow's World where we're not afraid to tell you the truth. In all sincerity, today's topic deeply saddens me because while it's a political issue for many, it's a painful one for others. So let me repeat. Here at Tomorrow's World we are not here to pass judgment on anyone, not women who have had abortions, and not the abortion providers. Few subjects elicit more emotion than abortion, and the subject remains as contentious today as it was 40 years ago. The United Kingdom made aborting children under the age of 24 weeks legal with the Abortion Act of 1967. The United States legalized abortion with the landmark Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 and it became legal in Canada in 1988 when a law that was nearly 100 years old prohibiting abortion was struck down by its Supreme Court. Similar decisions have been made in many other countries around the world. In some places, boys are prized while girls are aborted. Yet abortion remains highly disputed in many countries in spite of laws making it legal to end the life of an unborn child. Western media often portray anti-abortion people as religious fanatics or angry protesters screaming in people's faces. Now that's only marginally true. Also based on media reports, one would think that the overwhelming majority believe it is morally okay to end the life of an unborn child. But is that, in fact, true? Here's a quote that will no doubt surprise many but before I read it, I want you to know where it comes from, because it's not from where you might expect. Kirsten Powers is a journalist and television commentator and a self-proclaimed liberal who embraces most liberal causes, but in her book, The Silencing, How the Left is Killing Free Speech, she points out, It's worth noting that while university administrators and student government groups appear to embrace a pro-abortion rights agenda, the same shouldn't be assumed for all college students. A 2011 Thomson Reuters poll for NPR found that among Americans under 35, 65.5% believed having an abortion is wrong, the highest percentage of any age group. It was 57% for those between 35 and 64 and 60.9% for those older than 64. According to this well-respected polling agency commissioned by the liberal American National Public Radio, nearly two-thirds of millennials think having an abortion is wrong. Powers next gives the polling results of what she, as a liberal, admits is a left-of-center polling agency and therefore results might be slanted a bit to the left. While the numbers are significantly different, they are still surprising in terms of pro-life support. The left-leaning Public Religion Research Institute, that's PRRI, reported in 2011 that quote, Millennials are conflicted about the morality of abortion, with 50% saying they don't think having an abortion is morally acceptable. I've personally done some research on polling data regarding support or the lack thereof. Polls vary from country to country, from month to month, from year to year, and most importantly, from how the questions are framed. But here is Kirsten Power's conclusion regarding these polls and I would hardly agree. At a minimum, though, it shows that groups like Voice for Life, a pro-life organization, do not represent a fringe view, except to the illiberal left. One interesting observation regarding beliefs on abortion is that they change depending on the age of the unborn. In both America and Britain, a much larger percentage support abortion in the first trimester. That's the first 12 weeks. Support drops dramatically for the second trimester and is extremely unfavorable during the final three months of pregnancy. While the United Kingdom allows legal abortions up to 24 weeks, a majority of Britons believe this should be lowered to 12 weeks. The obvious point is that most people don't want to abort anything that might appear human. So let's explore that important concept by looking inside the womb at only 10 weeks and see what we find. But first I want to offer you one of the most important pieces of literature you can ever read. Your ultimate destiny answers the question of the ages. What is God's purpose for mankind? Think about this. If you live to be 100 years old, have a dozen children, 40 grandchildren, and many more great grandchildren, if you are rich and famous and enjoy good health to the end, but never discover your purpose for being here, can you truly claim success. Your Ultimate Destiny explains the
1: reason for your being. Don't miss out on this inspiring free book. Simply call the number on your screen and ask for Your Ultimate Destiny. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. There's no catch, no hidden cost. Here at Tomorrow's World we believe that knowing the truth of what God has purposed for you can dramatically change your life. Don't delay. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, keep watching and I will be back to give it again. The Baby Center, a
0: popular UK website, takes you through the whole process week by week and describes your baby at each stage. Here's what it says at only 10 weeks. Your baby is now officially a fetus. She's poised for growth and will more than double in size in the next three weeks. Your baby is now swallowing and kicking, and all her major organs are fully developed. More minute details are appearing too, such as fingernails and little fuzz of hair on her head. Your baby's sex organs are beginning to show. At your dating scan, which should happen soon, you may be able to tell whether you're going to have a boy or a girl. Isn't it interesting that when you want to have it, it's called a baby? But when someone doesn't want it, it's described as unviable tissue mass, the product of conception, or a blood clot. Jessica Baldwin, a journalist at Al Jazeera English, describes research taking place at University College in London. They're working there with an extremely high resolution ultrasound prototype, tiny flexible tubes, and robotic hands to do very delicate surgery inside the womb. Doctors can detect birth defects as early as 12 weeks, and up until now they could offer little hope, but they're working to change that. Dr. Anna David describes what they hope to achieve. Whereas if you had just a very fine needle, you'd be able to actually treat the baby and the woman wouldn't go into labor early and the outcome would be better. Notice again that while the technical term for it is a fetus, doctors treating one at 12 weeks refer to it as a baby, because that's really what it is. David Kapelian is the author of The Marketing of Evil, and in his book he has an especially good section on this subject with confessions from the very people who were once a part of the abortion industry. He quotes men and women who freely admit that for some it was all about money, and how they were trained to sell an abortion to any woman who came to them. Carol Everett, who at one time ran five abortion clinics, describes some of the inner workings. She explains that when patients came looking for information, they were not told about the development of the baby, or about the pain that the baby would be experiencing, or about the physical or emotional effects the abortion would have on them. Ms. Everett describes what she calls the two standard reactions in the recovery room following an abortion. The first is, I've killed my baby. It amazed me that this was the first time the patients called it a baby, but the second reaction is, I am hungry. You kept me in here for four hours and you told me I'd only be here for two. Let me out of here! That woman is doing what I did when I had my abortion. She's running from her abortion, not dealing with it. But to paint every doctor, every secretary, and every counselor in an abortion clinic as just in it for the money is too simplistic. Many have a misplaced sense that they are doing it to help women. They aren't, but in this postmodern world, with the influence of the media and academia, that's how they think. And for them, anyone who is pro life is a simpleton and a bit out of touch. Former abortionist Dr. Anthony Levitino explained it this way Everybody in the abortion industry knows that everyone involved in the pro life movement is a kook. I know, because CNN tells me so, and they would never lie to me. The statement, of course, is made satirically, as he has found that what he always believed about pro-lifers was false. But how did we get to where we are? How did the abortion movement get started? The answer may surprise you. Dr. Bernard Nathanson and Lawrence Later were the co-founders of NARAL, one of the early pro-abortion groups that sold abortion on demand to the American public. Isn't it interesting that the two founders of NARAL were not women, but men? It was these two men who crafted the slogans freedom of choice, and women must have control over their own bodies. With the help from feminist Betty Friedan, they worked out the strategy to sell their cause to the media, Who would then sell it to the American people, but how? Nathanson tells us Knowing that if a true poll were taken, we would be soundly defeated, we simply fabricated the results of fictional polls. We announced to the media that we had taken polls and that 60% of the Americans were in favor of permissive abortion. This is the tactic of the self fulfilling lie. Few people care to be in the minority. We aroused enough sympathy to sell our program of permissive abortion by fabricating the number of illegal abortions done annually in the United States. The actual figure was approaching 100,000, but the figure we gave the media repeatedly was one million. Repeating the big lie often enough convinces the public, The number of women dying from illegal abortions was around 200 to 250 annually. The figure we constantly fed to the media was 10,000. Understandably, you might be wondering why Nathanson would make such an admission. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Nathanson, who Capellian calls the closest thing to being the man who started it all for the pro-choice movement, Switched sides, but only after his clinic had performed 75,000 abortions, 5,000 of which he did with his own hands, and another 10,000 that he personally supervised. As he declared, those are pretty good credentials to speak on the subject of abortion. Nathanson's awakening occurred after resigning from his clinic and going to work as chief of obstetrical services at St. Luke's Hospital in New York City a teaching center for Columbia University. It was there that he was introduced to an array of new technologies that allowed him to look into the womb in greater detail. After a time, here's what happened. As a result of all this technology, looking at this baby, examining it, investigating it, watching its metabolic functions, watching it urinate, swallow, move, and sleep, watching it dream, which you could see by its rapid eye movements via ultrasound, treating it, operating on it, I finally came to the conviction that this was my patient. This was a person. And as he points out, it had absolutely nothing to do with religion. It had to do with reality. He went on to put together a film that has caused no end of trouble for the pro-abortion movement. The silent scream goes inside the womb and shows how a 12-week fetus reacts as he is ripped apart by an abortionist and removes the fantasy blinders showing abortion for what it is, the killing of a human life. Dr. Nathanson accuses the abortion industry, even naming the best known organizations, including the one he co-founded, of a consistent conspiracy of silence of keeping women in the dark with respect to the true nature of abortion. He continued, and I challenge all those purveyors of abortion to show this real time videotape or one similar to it to all women before they consent to abortion. Switching sides is not unusual when it comes to abortion. There's another significant twist to this story that you'll want to hear. But first I want to remind you of today's free offer, Your Ultimate Destiny. Why is it that people care so little about the very meaning of life until it's at an end? Only then do they want to know what's it all about. You don't have to wait until it's too late. Order your own free copy of our publication, Your Ultimate Destiny. Find the shocking answer that can change your life. Call, click, or write for your free copy of Your
1: Ultimate Destiny. To request your free copy, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for Your Ultimate Destiny. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked, why does God allow suffering? Is there life after death? Or what it really means to be forgiven? Tomorrow's World Magazine answers those questions and more, and will also be sent to you free of charge. Call us right now or visit us online to get your free copy of Your Ultimate Destiny and Tomorrow's World magazine. Enjoy the rest of today's program. Dr. Bernard Nathanson
0: is not the only one at the heartbeat of this controversy who helped open Pandora's box. In many ways, an even more well-known figure who helped open the box was Norma McCorvey. You know her, but maybe not by her real name. She's better known by her pseudonym, Jane Roe, as in Roe v. Wade. As with Dr. Nathanson, she too has switched sides and is now an active spokeswoman in the pro-life movement. There are many more pro-lifers who were once on the other side. Their stories are all different, but compelling. Linda Corey had an abortion at age 24 and was totally relieved that her problem was solved, or so she thought. She went on to work for Planned Parenthood, thinking that she was doing the compassionate thing by counseling young women, but when asked by a frightened 16-year-old, is it a baby, there was a struggle within her. Should she tell the truth? Yes, of course it's a baby, her words, and I'll add, with fingers and toes, or should she give a truthful but misleading answer? It's a product of conception. She gave the party line but then needed reassurance from a colleague that what she did was right. Other guilt-causing incidents occurred and 11 years after her abortion, she realized in a big way that she had made a terrible mistake. Dr. Anthony Levitino also realized that he made a terrible mistake. He was the co-owner of what was at one time the only OBGYN clinic for several New York State counties that performed D&E, that's Dilation and Evacuation Abortions, for second trimester babies. His awakening came when his young adopted daughter was hit by a car and killed. That helped him connect the dots between what he was doing at the clinic and the value of a human life. In reading and listening to their stories, they all seem to have one thing in common, their introduction to abortion was shaped by their worldview, formed by the culture around them. Many told themselves that they were doing the compassionate thing. As Levitino said, I've heard many times from other obstetricians, well I'm not really pro-abortion, I'm pro-woman. How many times have you heard that one? The women's groups in this country, they're not alone, but they've done a very good job selling that bill of goods to the population. That somehow destroying a life is pro-woman. But a lot of obstetricians use that justification to themselves and I can tell you a lot of them believe it. I used to. It's not hard to be convinced of it. Linda Khoury also came from that worldview, and this is instructive. We may abhor the destruction of human life in the womb but we must understand how it is that many can participate in the activity and sleep at night. In a very real sense, they've been educated from childhood with a totally secular value system. Here's how Ms. Currie described her world. As a young person, I really valued freedom above all else, and I also viewed religion, particularly Christianity, as being cruel and stupid, really. I saw people on that side of the fence as being judgmental, boring, shallow, and anti-intellectual, so I didn't want to be anything like them at all. I thought they were quite pathetic, and so I didn't even want to consider their opinions. To me, religious people didn't seem to be engaged in what I thought as the real world. Religious people were in some sort of weird fantasy world. Not just pro-lifers, but all religious people were kooks as far as I was concerned So that's kind of the template that I was coming from. The millennial generation is currently the most pro-life of all groups, according to a number of surveys, but they are not looking at this from a religious perspective. Due to our ability to look inside the womb at an early stage, they have, without realizing it, come to the same conclusion as an ancient king who credited divinity for the marvel of life. For you form my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Scales have fallen from the eyes of Nathanson and Levitino, Carol Everett, Norma McCorvey, Linda Currie, and many, many others. Now that's an interesting phrase that you may not be familiar with, scales falling from eyes. It actually comes from the Bible, from a man who heavily persecuted the fledgling Christian church. He describes his activities against early Christians this way in Acts 26, verses 10 and 11. Many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. But one day on his way to Damascus, he was struck down and blinded, and this was his awakening moment. Three days later, he changed sides, and here's what happened Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Saul's name was changed to Paul and he became one of the leading figures of the New Testament. Here was a man guilty of horrific crimes, yet by God's mercy and grace he was forgiven. As with Paul, we cannot undo the past, but we can change as he did. We have all made bad decisions, but what we do after we recognize we've made a bad choice is what is most important. When Paul realized the direction of his life was in fact the wrong way, he changed, and as the biblical record shows, his past guilt was removed. If you need some help and counseling, let us know when we can have a representative contact you and help you to understand God's mercy and your great potential. And whether or not abortion has been a part of your past, you need a copy of our free booklet, Your Ultimate Destiny. It explains the very meaning and value of human life, and that includes your life. And if you want to review this program again, or any of our Tomorrow's World programs, you can watch them 24-7 at www.tomorrowsworld.org. I'll be sure to come back next time, same time, same station. When Richard Ames, Wallace Smith and I will bring you more valuable information about
1: why you are here and what lies ahead. To learn more about today's topic, Visit www.twcanada.org to read or order your free copy of Your Ultimate Destiny. It answers the question of why you were born and the amazing purpose for your very existence. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895 or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World. P.O. Box 409, Mississauga, Ontario, L5M 0P6. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living an abundant and happy life while providing insight into current and future events. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call 1-866-784-7895 write or visit us online today this program is a production of the Living Church of God